Chapter 19 of The Dawn of Medieval Europe, 476 to 918 by J. H. B. Masterman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Law and Administration in the Empire. Charles inherited from his predecessors the administrative system that the Frankish rulers had gradually developed out of the primitive Teutonic arrangements that the Franks had brought with them from their northern home. To this he added from time to time, so that by the end of his reign the empire was governed by a system of administration that appeared adequate and efficient. But, as a matter of fact, it was neither, for Charles was unable to develop an efficient and trustworthy body of officials. The Byzantine Empire was strong, even when it seemed most weak, because it was served by a body of well-trained and well-paid civil servants. But the Carolingian Empire was weak, even when it seemed strongest, because Charles had to depend on officers who were untrained and unpaid but the byzantine empire only retained its bureaucratic system by a burden of taxation such as charles dared not lay on the shoulders of his free franks or even on the subject nations of his empire the burden of military service and the tithes that were levied by royal authority for religious purposes often provoked strong resentment and the expense of government had consequently to be kept down at all costs but this could only be done by acting through unpaid agents who were likely to prove either inefficient or corrupt at the head of the whole system was the emperor who as emperor recognized no earthly superior but as king of the franks was bound to act in consultation with his great nobles and at least nominally with the armed warriors who assembled every spring at the annual mayfield a smaller gathering was held in the autumn at which probably only the great magnates attended it was at these assemblies that fresh laws were promulgated and questions of peace or war decided the two most important outlying provinces of the empire italy and aquitaine charles entrusted to his two younger sons who each had a court of his own and was left free in the administration of his own kingdom subject to the general control of the emperor the dukes of the other great provinces had been dispossessed in favour of the direct authority of the frankish king but along all the frontier of the empire a new and important class of officers had grown up in the margraves of the marches in the south the duke of spoleto acted as margrave and carried on a desultory war with the lombard duke of beneventum the margrave of friuli defended the eastern frontiers of italy and the province of istria was also a kind of march on the eastern frontier of the frankish kingdom along the danube the ostmark ruled by two margraves kept back the flood of slavonic invasion from bavaria and farther north in bohemia the empire had driven a wedge of conquest into the slavonic world along the elba and on the danish frontier other margraves kept watch and the circle of frontier defences was completed by the breton march where roland was at one time warden and the spanish march in the south where the count of toulouse waged almost constant war against the saracens to complete the defences of the empire a frankish fleet was constructed 
which guarded the channel for a while from the raids of the Norsemen. Internally, the empire was divided into counties, pagus, each ruled by a count, nominally appointed by the emperor, but really holding the position of a local hereditary magnate. Each count had his court or malus in the central town of his county. The custom of the Frankish kingdom was that every man should be judged by the law of his own nation, but in practice this resolved itself into a sort of equitable jurisdiction based partly on common sense, partly on the personal will of the count, from whom impartial justice could hardly be expected in matters where his own interests were affected. The pagus was subdivided into hundreds, each under a local officer appointed by the count. Into this system the emperor introduced two changes. The Frankish kings were accustomed to send missi on various errands into the provinces of the kingdom. Charles now created a new body of permanent missi dominici, leading nobles of the kingdom, who travelled around definite circuits, supervising the local administration, and acting as inspectors of all departments of government. But several things rendered their work ineffective. The circuits were too large for effective supervision, the missi were unpaid and only held office for short periods, and the local counts appear to have evaded their control in various ways, as, for example, by persuading suitors to hold back their cases till the unwelcome intruders had paid their visit. The other change was the creation of a kind of jury of scabini, who were intended to act with the count in the administration of justice, but for various reasons these scabini do not appear to have been an effective body, and local justice continued to depend on the count. The central government was nominally a bureaucracy, really an autocracy. Charles had his arch-chaplain for the management of ecclesiastical business, and a body of counts for the palace, comes palatii, one for each nation of the empire, who were supposed to deal with appeals from the local counts, the most important being referred to the emperor. But in fact, the emperor, partly because of the dearth of competent officers, and partly through the unwillingness of a strong ruler to delegate power, retained in his own hands the actual work of government. A suitor who could secure access to the emperor could generally count on justice, and at the Mayfield assemblies Charles mixed freely with his subjects, but a system built up around the person of the sovereign was bound to break down when his powers grew enfeebled with age or his sceptre passed into hands less able to wield it the lack of a trained body of secular officials threw charles back on the support of the great ecclesiastics who were already rising to a position of great wealth and influence the work of resumption of church lands that had cost Charles Martel the goodwill of the monkish chroniclers now began to be undone. Two significant facts appear in the capitularies of the closing years of the reign. One is the growing difficulty of securing from the freemen of the empire the military service that they were liable to furnish. Now that the wars of the emperor were no longer wars of conquest in which plunder and glory might be gained, the interruption of ordinary life caused by military service was resented. To meet this difficulty, a new system was adopted that was destined to have far-reaching consequences. 
liability to military service was now made territorial instead of personal a certain area of land being made responsible for furnishing a warrior to the host the inhabitants sharing the duty or furnishing a deputy the other significant fact is the growth of the system of vassalage freemen began to commend themselves to the local count or ecclesiastic securing protection in return for certain services so begins the feudal system of the development of which more must be said in a later chapter the frankish kingdom had held together while the process of conquest had kept alive the sentiment of loyalty as soon as the extension of the kingdom ceased local feeling reasserted itself and this process of disintegration had begun even before charles handed on the sceptre to the less masterful hands of his son charles made no attempt to compile a legal code for his empire but he endeavoured to reduce the various national systems of law under which the peoples of his empire were living to better order after his assumption of the imperial title says einhardt as he perceived that many things were lacking in the laws of his people he thought to add those things that were wanting to reconcile discrepancies and to correct what was bad and ill-expressed but of all this he accomplished nothing except that he added a few chapters and those imperfect ones to the laws of the franks all the legal customs however of the various nations under his sway he caused to be committed to writing if they were not already written but it is in his capitularies that the legislative activity of charles shows itself these capitularies were edicts issued by the emperor from time to time many of them before his acceptance of the imperial title in consultation with his nobles regulating the affairs of church and state they were collected into books in the ninth century but they were not to be thought of as a code of law some of them are royal proclamations some ordinances some instructions to the missi or answers to their questions some appear to be no more than notes jotted down by the emperor of things he wanted to remember in his history of civilization guizot attempts to classify these capitularies according to subject matter it would be impossible to deal with them in any detail here they show the wide range of charles's administrative activity and the sincerity of his efforts to enforce the christian moral standard on his people in all probability many of them remained pious opinions pointing to a standard of life far in advance of anything that the frankish kingdom was capable of reaching End of chapter nineteen